Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. It's Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, Annihilation at Anfield, pummeling Paris, worrying about Wolves and quiz quandaries. Available free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight out of Cobham. Well, hello again, listener. It's your second dose of Cobham for the week. We're recording on deadline day. How maverick is that? Uh, so, yeah, apologies if Fernando Torres gets choppered in to Cobham later on tonight and we miss it. But that's just the way it goes, I'm afraid. We've got to talk about the unpleasantness of Liverpool. We're going to look ahead to Wolves, reflect on a big win for the women's team and do a quiz. I'm going to do that in the company of two of the Athletics' very best. Hello, Liam Toomey. Hello. What a week it's been. Um, Luke Brosh is back with us too. You okay, Luke? Very well, Matt. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. And I am ready to kick off with our new feature. Thanks to listener Orphy, who suggested on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, that we should call this, rather than rash conclusions, premature adjudications. So that's what we're going to do. I want a premature adjudication from you each, please. Liam, you can go first. Yeah, so I think if he couldn't make it onto the pitch last night... I just don't know when we're ever going to see Argyle as a substitute this season. It's a worry, isn't it? Yeah, if there's ever a time for Argyle to feature. How embarrassing, by the way. Just the cherry on top of a 4-1 defeat cake that you have this commercial nonsense. The whole club acting as a moving billboard while things are going so horribly wrong on the pitch. Anyway, carry on. I hope the film's good. I've seen so many trailers for it. It's been roundly panned <laughs> yeah. by critics. The, re- the reviews are not good, but yeah, it's it's a bit cringe that all, there are all these commercial types. But I should just say that the Year of the Dragon training top is now available in the Megastore and online. Uh, Luke, do you have a premature adjudication for me? Uh, I mean, does this count? I think Armando Boyer has played his last game in a Chelsea shirt. Yeah, and I think a lot of people listening to this on Friday we'll be saying yes Luke we know that he signed for Al-Shabaab at the last minute on loan <laughs> with a £700 million obligation to buy uh, mine would be either Carney is the number 10 Connor wants to be or simply Argyle is released in cinemas in the UK on February the 2nd uh, those were our premature adjudications alright we've got to give a little nod to the transfer window even though it's still open as we are recording um, Liam it looks as though Andre Santos is heading off to Strasbourg on loan. Um, that seems like a reasonable landing spot for him. And I guess we understand now why Diego Moreira came back the other way. Yeah, after some heated, gruelling negotiations on the both sides of the blue co table, Andre Santos will be the next Strasbourg developmental project. I mean, it. yeah, it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? If they can't find another satisfactory home for him between now and the end of the season you would think there's at least a good chance that he will get minutes, which is a marked improvement on what happened at Nottingham Forest. And I think based on what we saw from Andre Santos in pre-season, that might be all he needs actually to really kick on. I think he he doesn't look quite as raw as some of the Chelsea players that we've seen, including maybe one or two who've stayed in the squad this season. They've just got such depth in midfield, in central midfield, when everyone's fit that he he didn't really have a pathway to the team. But as long as Strasbourg now don't go out and break their club record to sign a central midfielder before the transfer window closes and, and sign three or four players over his head, I think it it's one that can work well. Yeah, fingers crossed he needs it to go well, given uh, what happened. That Forest, he joins Angelo on loan from Chelsea there for the rest of the season. He's been there for the whole term. As we record at 10.12 on Thursday, Simon's latest tweet on the Breuer news is that Chelsea want a £5 million loan fee for him, growing confidence at Fulham 
that they will win the race to sign him. But early days, Chelsea have changed their stance from wanting a loan with an obligation included. Luke, this is a bit of a climb down, really, isn't it? Given a couple of weeks ago, we were touting £50 million will get you Armando Breuer. It, it turns out £5 million will get you on loan for a bit and you don't even have to keep him. Yeah, it's a bit of a damning indictment for the recruitment stroke negotiating team that it's come to this when he's kind of clearly been available basically since before January. And, you know, we're now on deadline day in the UK and he's still at Chelsea. And there's, I mean, it now looks, you know, yes, last night and this morning, it looks like he's going to be on his way out. Wolves, you know, ironically, uh, given, you know, Chelsea play them very soon, uh, are also in the race or the hunt, you know, whatever the tabloids want to call it. But yeah, not a great situation for the club or the player because he's obviously missed out on potential games and minutes and, you know, training with a new team. You know, the Premier League had its kind of mid-season break where each team got like a two-week break, you know, lots of training time there. But hopefully he can get out um, somewhere other than Chelsea and get some minutes under his belt and kind of get back to that form that he showed when he was at Southampton and doing quite well there. I think it's a reflection of what I wrote earlier this month, which is the reality of the market. Best case scenario, Chelsea were pitching to five or six potential Premier League clubs in that kind of middle tier, which I guess you'd say Chelsea are part of if you look at the table. Clubs that could afford Breuer or theoretically afford Breuer, important to include that, who could be convincing to him to join and who would be genuinely interested in him. And Fulham and Wolves were always two of those clubs. But as we understand it, neither of them are in a financial position to do a deal like that in this window. And to be honest, even if they were, Chelsea always had an uphill struggle to convince any club that Armando Breuer was worth near £50 based on what we've seen since he came back from his ACL injury. Now, I, I don't think there's any lasting physical effects from that but he doesn't look like the best version of himself yet and so maybe maybe the loan's a good good opportunity for him to play particularly now Nkunku's back Jackson will be back from AFCON presumably he'll leave Dakar airport at some point <laughs> even though he wasn't allowed to in time to feature against Liverpool and he can get on with playing Premier League football out of the pressure of Chelsea because it does look like that's been weighing him down. Yeah, let's uh, get him out, get him some minutes, get him some goals and then see where we are. All right, can't put this off any longer. We're going to have to talk about what happened at Anfield on Thursday. Nunez, twisting away from Thiago Silva. And Diaz! Beyond any reasonable doubt now. Liverpool majestically re-establishing their five-point lead at the top. We should learn um, that we need to compete in a different way. If not, we are going to go to Wembley and, and cannot happen the same situation that today. I think yeah, it's, it's good it's, it's good to have this type of feeling because it's, uh, we have three weeks not to prepare the game, but I think it's important that uh, to realise that we need to compete in in different way. Liverpool 4, Chelsea 1 then. Listener, you watched the game, you've seen the Darwin Nunez shot stat, you haven't heard what Simon Johnson thought though, so let's rectify that now. Trigger warning, this does include some Jurgen Klopp fist pumps. Liverpool 4, Chelsea 1. And uh, as I come on to do my umpteenth voice note post-away defeat, you can hear the, uh, the applause of the cop end clapping their players. Here comes Klopp about to do a fist pump, I think. Meanwhile, what a different story with the men in blue, heads down, walking very slowly towards the away end where the few reasonable half amount of Chelsea fans in that away end have decided to stay and watch the full 96 minutes of that disaster class. And uh, most of them seem to be clapping the Chelsea players, which is um, quite surprising given what they've just witnessed. Yeah, we've seen this before, haven't we? That's six away defeats in the last seven games. Here comes Klopp. Let's just say his bond with the Liverpool fans is slightly better than Pochettino's with the Chelsea fans. They are probably going to be pretty uh, angry with what they've seen. Although, 
They will point to a couple of penalty appeals. Referee Paul Tini was not going to give Chelsea anything tonight, I think. But it'd be foolish to pin this defeat on referee decisions. Chelsea were abject as they have been at Newcastle, at Manchester United, at Wolves, at Middlesbrough. The list goes on, Everton. The one bright spot, of course, and Cuckoo coming off the bench, showing what Chelsea have been missing all season. Absolutely sublime finish to give Chelsea a consolation goal, but that's all it was. The gap between the two teams was enormous. Nunes hit the woodwork several hundred times it felt like and um, if it wasn't for him it could have been a lot lot worse and and this just feels like Chelsea's season really they, they've managed to sort out the home form but unless they sort out the away form Chelsea are just going to stand still in the league table John Terry was pitched in the away end and Seeing him as a throwback to the era when uh, Chelsea could come to a place like Anfield and put in a performance. Um, the current crop, they just don't have it in them to turn up when it matters. And um, big test for Pochettino because they face the same opponents again in the EFL Cup final. And uh, make no mistake, if they play like this, they've got absolutely no chance of winning any silverware. No chance of winning any silverware. What a way to finish. Um, Luke, let's get your initial thoughts on the game before we dive into some tweets that we've had. It was fairly obvious from fairly early on in this game what the pattern was going to be and Chelsea just couldn't do anything to reverse it. Yeah, I think you know I was kind of struck by something Joe Cole said on uh, TNT Sports, formerly known as BT Sport. <laughs> <laughs> it was either after the game or, or at half-time when he said, you know, speaking as a Chelsea fan that he is, he kind of had high hopes for Chelsea coming into this game. You know, no Trent, no Robertson, no Salah for Liverpool. You know, this is probably the weakest Liverpool eleven in theory that they could put out. But, you know, they just ran into a team that were far, far too good for them. And I think, you know, this is, you know, there's all this talk in the last kind of week, 10 days about Jurgen Klopp stepping down. And Essentially, this Liverpool team, for me, they were unbelievable. This game was almost as much about how good Liverpool were and how bad they made Chelsea appear to be or maybe exposed Chelsea for being more average than they'd like to be. But, you know, this Liverpool team is basically a culmination of, of nine years of, like, you know, near faultless man management and recruitment. Two areas at Chelsea which have been, I think it's fair to say, severely lacking in the last kind of 18 to 24 months, seemingly. Although, you know, Pochettino seems to have a better bond with the players than than some of his predecessors. But And I think that's just, you know, this Liverpool are where Chelsea want to be. And at the moment, they're just, just streets behind. And I think Liverpool's individual quality, but also their team quality, their cohesion, you know, this was kind of a bit of a throwback for, for Jurgen Klopp's side. I think they, they pressed the ball a lot more than they would. And we've seen teams do this against Chelsea where you know they hurry and harry players and they don't really know how to do it and I, I was struck by you know one stat in particular it's not like a huge one but I think Liverpool won 18 tackles in the game which was 82% of those that they attempted Chelsea won seven which was 50% of those that they attempted and I think that you know kind of tells you how the game went Liverpool just overran Chelsea and it was as you say Matt from the get-go it was you know you really feared for Chelsea from minute one yeah 28 shots Liverpool amassed in the game uh, Chelsea had more yellow cards than they had shots on target in the match a difficult night for those in the away end including John Terry Jody Morris and poor producer Lucy's dad who had a long old slog you have our sympathies uh and anybody else who made that long trip to Anfield and back. Let's get to some tweets then, Liam. Mike hasn't taken it well. He says it was shameful. I'm fed up with all the excuses. No fight, no desire, no effort. Poch hasn't improved the team. We spent too much on players with little quality, recruited with no idea how they can play together. And that last point, there's a real stark contrast, isn't there, between the way Liverpool have recruited their players in, in recent years, quietly, effectively, after a lot of scouting and, and the kind of scattergun nature of what, what Chelsea have done over the last 18 months. Well, it's also a reflection of building a team incrementally, window on window, in service of a single 
coherent identity, a way of playing. And it's no surprise to me that someone like Connor Bradley, who's clearly a very talented young player, can come into this Liverpool team and look spectacular, absolutely amazing. Because there's a structure there. There's already a structure there that you can just plug parts into. And they play defined roles, but they're put in positions to succeed. They're not asked to do anything necessarily that they're not good at. And he could just play free down that right-hand side and, as it turned out, absolutely terrorise Chelsea and play like a, a seasoned veteran. Whereas if you've got an entire team of virtually under-23s who are trying to build that structure themselves with each other on the fly, there's just going to be a lot of pain. You might get there eventually, but it's a much more painful way of building a team than it is having an experienced core that has a settled identity and gradually evolving that and improving it in the transfer market. Chelsea, we've said this before, they chose revolution rather than evolution from what the team they had to... Well, it feels a lot longer than two years ago. They won the Champions League two and a half, three years ago. They decided to rip it up rather than just gradually remoulding it. And this is where we are. They're building from zero now. Or as I said in a recent piece, they're building from a lot of zeros based on what they've spent in the transfer market. But they, there's no legacy of the Chelsea that was on the pitch right now. Even though Thiago Silva's there, this is not recognisable from the last successful Chelsea team we saw because everything has changed and all the connections have changed. There is no experience. And so it, it will take years. And that's not to say that they can't give a better account of themselves at Wembley next month, because I think they can. And I think, you know, if, if this was going to happen, you'd rather it happen now than in the cup final. Of course, it might happen twice, but <laughs> this does at least give the possibility for a reaction that these Chelsea players will remember this. And that if they can find some collective backbone for the cup final, this can be a bit more of a competitive game, but they will rightly go into that as heavy, heavy underdogs because Liverpool individually, certainly collectively, are light years ahead. Yeah, no, that was fairly obvious. Uh, we'll get into what happened on the pitch in terms of performances, Luke, but a word on Maurizio Pochettino. Danny, one of few people saying, don't think we should be too harsh on Poch for the Liverpool game and pointing out there the fact that Chelsea could have had a couple of penalties. I think the Gallagher won, they probably got right. Then Kunku won like a, a nailed on spot kick. But what kind of grade do you give Pochettino for this performance and, and in recent weeks? Because there's such an incredible contrast, isn't there, between home and away. It's kind of difficult to get get a handle on. Are you, are you still pro-Poch or are you starting to question him? No, I, I think there are some decisions that you can question. I think the... But then even then, I think, you know, lots of people, one of the sticks that was used to beat Poch was this, why are you playing Colwell at left back out of position? But then, you know, Chilwell's fit, he comes back into the team and as Liam kind of alluded to there, kind of got overran in the first half and got hooked. So I don't think it's as simple as, you know, oh, you know, if, you know, these counterfactuals, you know, if we'd played Ian Martin, would we be in this position or et cetera, et cetera. I think, I think Poch has been dealt a pretty tough hand and it's a similar hand to you know that of of Graham Potter last year where again as as Liam said you kind of given all these ostensibly good looking pieces these shiny new things but you know they're all 21 20 22 23 you know how on earth are you supposed to stitch them all together it's not just you know two or three it's six seven eight nine ten eleven players at times that you're you're being asked to stitch together, and I think it's it's a very very difficult job. And I think I think there have been enough positives in enough games that tell me that there is something there. There is something on the training ground. Some of the moves that Chelsea have put together, you know, even even just for flashes in games, you know, in recent weeks over uh, over the sort of January festive period, you know, the game before Liverpool against you know Villa, even though it was nil nil, Chelsea didn't score. There was some some really good play in that and. Again, I think against Fulham, there was some really nice stuff. You know, in the sort of first half against Luton, Chelsea were very good. I think there's enough there that I can see something growing. The trouble is football is so 
reactionary and you know win first it's like as soon as you have one bad game or even you know you know a couple of bad games it's it's you know we need to change something and it's obviously easier to change the manager and i i don't think there should be as many calls to change the manager or the head coach because i just don't once you have this idea okay that you've brought in potch over other candidates because we like how he work presumably because we like how he works with young players you know, we like his man management skills. We think he's, you know, Premier League experienced. I just don't think, I think that you have to stick to your guns to an extent and, and give someone time to build something because, you know, not every manager can come in and make an immediate impact, especially when there has been, as Liam said, you know, this kind of revolution over evolution strategy. Yeah, well said. I think there are signs of progress and it's just not going to be linear. We know that, but there's also reason to criticise as well. So both sides of the coin. Uh, Kieran says, what's the plan in a game like this? Leave Caicedo as an effective one-man midfield and get over Rand, bringing Chilwell off and then making Baddy a shield go to left back and not substituting Sterling when he did nothing all game. Paddy adds, any views on the midfield balance? Something feels really off in the big games. As good as Connor is at pressing, not sure about his positional discipline. Well, Enzo and Caicedo often seem too far apart. That Enzo and Caicedo thing in particular, Liam, was a real issue on Wednesday at Liverpool, wasn't it? Caicedo's early booking, I guess, didn't help, but they were just totally swamped by Liverpool's three. Yeah, and I, I don't really understand, you know, if I get an opportunity to ask Pochettino about this in the next couple of weeks, I think I will. I don't really understand what's happened to that midfield balance because I wrote earlier in the season about the Caicedo, Enzo, Gallagher, Triumvirate and how they were working really well together and they developed a really cohesive, effective unit with and without the ball. Uh, it was only like three or four games because that's pretty much the sample we've been judging on all season given the rate of change with injuries and everything. But... The features of that were that Enzo and Caicedo were actually quite close together a lot of the time where they could combine and find each other, while Gallagher was more of the Roma. And you can still see that in some respects in that when Chelsea don't have the ball, Gallagher basically pushes up alongside Palmer to lead the press. And I think that part of it is effective. I think those it wasn't effective against Liverpool. Nothing was effective against Liverpool. But it has been effective broadly because those two are very good at pressing. But then when Chelsea do have the ball, I think people are right to point out because we saw it against Middlesbrough as well. Middlesbrough, in the early stages of that game, it's completely forgotten because of the final score, a very comfortable Chelsea win. But Chelsea were wide open in the first 10, 15 minutes of that game. And it was only because Middlesbrough had absolutely zero punch that they didn't carry more threat. But they, they were basically turning Chelsea over with five players ahead of the ball and Caicedo, the only man in the middle third of the pitch and running around him, basically, directly at the Chelsea defence. And I thought I thought at that time, oh, Pochettino's just done this because he's made a pragmatic bet that Chelsea just have way too much firepower for Middlesbrough. So let's make the game open. You know, let, let's make it stretched and we can just out, completely out, outscore them. But that won't work against better teams, against Premier League teams. I think having having Enzo this far ahead of the ball when Chelsea are trying to play, okay, maybe maybe in a vacuum, maybe it's something Enzo's happier about and he gets more, in theory, gets more opportunities to affect the game higher up the pitch, but it's not necessarily what the team needs. I think they, they need more control and stability. I do still think Caicedo's been playing better in recent weeks. Liverpool was not a good night for him. He... You know, he got he got swarmed and a silly booking for descent early on, which really neutered him even more because then he had to be very careful about any more tackles that he made. But he's being given too much to do in this structure. So I think it's something Pochettino needs to look at. Mm. Uh, Sam says, this is just where we are at the moment. Liverpool streets ahead. Wolves and Villa, far more important games to judge progress at this stage. Uh, Lewis says, decisions weren't great, but in no way did we deserve to win the game. Almost feel like you can see the pressure on the players building. And Louis said, I'll start with some positives. Nkunku level above, where would we be if he stayed fit? Carney clearly deserves a run. And Petrovic, brilliant. Now the negatives, B2, not good enough. Use Enzo and Caicedo properly. Poch totally outclassed. Team has regressed from game week one. Um, let's try and finish with some positives, Luke. And, and that Christopher Nkunku goal, 
A, brilliantly taken by him, but B, we saw how effective Carney Chukwemeka can be and kind of throw back to the first couple of games of the season with the run that he made to produce. If those two can stay fit, they could be game changers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chukwemeka, I think, especially in the, you know, he started the first few games for Chelsea was was a real surprise because he hadn't really got the minutes in his first, you know, full season at Chelsea. But, you know, coming in after preseason looked very, very good, very, you know, silky player, you know, to almost kind of like Ruben Loftus-Cheek-esque sometimes the way he carries the ball and beats people kind of effortlessly. But, you know, as we saw, you know, in that, you know, West Ham game that we ended up, that Chelsea ended up losing. And then I guess, again, against Liverpool, he does kind of have that goals and assists. Although saying that, I think Loftus-Cheek is actually in some good goal scoring form for AC Milan. So maybe discount that point about him. But yeah, he's he's really, really promising talent. I think, you know, that shows from the fee that Chelsea paid Aston Villa to sign him in the summer of 2022. It's quite a lot. Um, and of course, Nkunku is much more of a known quality, um, well, a known quantity and a known quality because he's been doing it for quite a long time with with RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga and and certainly if those two can stay fit because they both kind of had injuries you know particularly Chukwameka it, it just seemed to go on and on we you know kind of initially thought it might be a few weeks then it was okay it'll be another few weeks and then it ended up being you know a really long time so yeah it's great to see them back but you know it kind of goes back to this especially with Chukwameka you know it goes back to this kind of midfield balance thing it's like how do you how do you fit all these players in you know how do you get Chukwameka, Gallagher and Palmer and Madweke into the same team? You know, the answer is you You probably definitely don't. So, you know, who has to miss out? And that's not just as simple as, oh, that's fine. That that affects how Pochettino wants to play because clearly someone like Gallagher and Palmer, as Liam said, are getting these minutes because they're so effective in the press. And I'm not quite sure, small sample size, admittedly, that we've seen enough of that from Chukwameka, although he clearly has Poch's trust because... Poch did throw him in early in the season, but yeah, it's good problems to have for a head coach. Mm. Many reasons to be irritated by Ed Sheeran, but particularly so for Maurizio Pochettino and Chelsea supporters. How different could the season have been if Nkunku had been fit from the start? So he, Chukwemeka, came on at halftime alongside Mikhailo Mudrik. I like this from Michael Liam, who says, it was like watching Liam's piece on Mudrik being acted out in real time by the player himself. Um, that one that he skied pretty much as soon as he came on, that's a more difficult chance than it looks, right? Bobbly pitch, balls coming at him quickly, weaker foot, but you think a more confident player who's had a better start to his Chelsea career might have buried it anyway. Yeah, it's a difficult chance. He also, yeah, leans back and only one thing's going to happen when when you do that. It's going to go up. Hit Lucy's dad rather than hit in the back of the net, Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's better than than hitting John Terry or Jody Morris. So <laughs> we'll take that. Um, yeah, there was one run in particular that struck me with Mudrick, which was it was almost an exact replica of one of the examples in the Mudrick piece where Chelsea were were in transition and Nkunku was sort of loosely running from right to left, a slight diagonal run ahead of the ball. And rather than running wide left, Mudrick angled his run in and basically closed the passing avenue completely because the two Liverpool players followed them, converged, and there was just no room to play a pass. Chelsea lost the ball. And I think there is a tactical element in that Pochettino, in those transition situations, wants his players to run towards goal, to be as direct as possible, where possible. But there has to be an element of awareness about where your teammates running and and the run you make to to stretch the defense accordingly if you both run into the same area you kill the attack and that's one thing we've seen from Mudrick quite a lot in that he 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 too often nullifies the the effect of his own speed which is genuinely terrifying for defenders i think when when he's in open, open space but if he's not running to the right places, it doesn't have much benefit to his team. Uh, and it is concerning that you're not really seeing progress in that. He, you know, these mistakes are being repeated every time he's on the pitch. And I think it's quite clear at this point why he's not starting more. Because when he comes on, 
you still get the impression that he doesn't really know what he should be doing and when he should be doing it. Yeah, and that echoes a point that Sam made who uh, got in touch to say, young players, when they are played, are supposed to improve. Bar Palmer, I'm struggling to think of a single player we bought in the last 18 months who's better now than when they first played for us. Many actually look worse. All right, that'll do for Liverpool. We'll look ahead to Wolves next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. So, back to it for Chelsea on Sunday. The good news is it's a home game. The bad news is Chelsea have struggled against Wolves of late, winning just one of the last seven. Now, they host Manchester United tonight as we record, which is a bit of a boost for Chelsea because they get more preparation time. Let's talk changes then, Luke. Are you thinking that the changes we saw at halftime might be replicated here to an extent? I'm thinking primarily about Malo Gusto coming in at right back, but let's not have Benoit Badishi at left back. And, and maybe... Chukwemeka and Oren Kunku from the off here? Yeah, I mean, as as I said before, there's a lot of selection dilemmas, particularly with regards to the sort of midfield and, and higher up the pitch. But for me, I think Malo Gusto has to come in. He's just such an effective presence on the right-hand side, particularly when, you know, you've got someone like Cole Palmer or even Noni Madueke, who's more of a natural winger. Both of them, left-footed, like to come inside, particularly Palmer, or is, you know, whenever he ostensibly starts as a right sided player is always inside and Gusto you know he's Reese James light isn't he he's so technically good his positional sense offensively is is great great cross of the ball great passer you know he's the one that set up that chance for Mudrick I think that, that you and Liam were talking about earlier on so for me he's he's the one that definitely has to come in whether Chukwumaker and Nkunku get starts you know, I know it's it's only three or four days in between games, and they're both coming back from injury. Jackson might come in. I don't know, but I think I think Poch will ring the changes. I think we'll see a lot of players come in and drop out. Yeah, Jackson's an interesting one, isn't he, Liam? Uh, he will be available for this game. I, I think we've seen in the last few matches that the Cole Palmer false nine experiment does not get the best out of Palmer. Certainly, would you be wanting that focal point for the attack in Jackson for this game? Yeah, I think so. I think the Palmer false nine thing is is opposition dependent. I think against Liverpool, Chelsea could really have used someone like Jackson because a team that plays so front foot aggressive as Liverpool do, so high up the pitch, you need more of a threat to stretch them in behind. And that's one thing Palmer can't do. There's, there are a lot of things he can do, um, but it's that's one thing he can't really do and, and doesn't even really look to do. Whereas Jackson likes to be on the shoulder, often maybe a yard the wrong side of the shoulder, but he does ask those questions of a defence. And you can make the argument maybe that Wolves won't play that way. We'll have to see. But I, I do think Chelsea need to start betting him in. Also because I think he's a really good facilitator for other other talent. You know, we've we've spoken about this a lot this season. One of the best things Jackson does, and it started to come back into his game in the couple of weeks before he went off to AFCON are these these little flicks, these little layoffs around the corner to to midfield runners. I think he's very good for building those combinations in the attack. And that was a feature of preseason, him and Nkunku linking up with Chukwameka. And, and so I think if, if Chelsea can start getting those guys all on the pitch together again, we may start seeing a little bit more of that. And that will help guys like Mudrik as well because it, it will help get them the ball in, in positions where they can be more effective. So I, I think he does need to play more broadly. We can't know from the outside how physically ready someone like Nkunku is. Um, Pochettino has a much better idea of that than than we do, but I think he needs to start ramping up his minutes at some point with a view to that Carabao Cup final, because if Chelsea don't have him in position to play 90, maybe even 120 minutes if necessary uh, in that game, then I, I really don't see how they have enough firepower to trouble Liverpool. Just on Jackson, by the way, didn't start a game at AFCON, came off the bench in all of them, but he should be reasonably fresh, one would assume. 
A few people asking us about Raheem Sterling, Luke. If we're trying to, or me, I'm trying to crowbar in Jackson, Chukwemeka, Palmer and Nkunku. Um, Is Sterling going to keep his place? And and will he square it if he and a teammate are through on goal against Wolves this time? Yeah, God. I mean, that's literally like Vietnam War flashbacks. (laughs) That still will haunt you know, Chelsea fans for, for a very long time. But I think I think you're right, Matt. I think if you're looking at someone to drop out to kind of accommodate these returning players, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, fitness dependent, as Liam said there. If Unkunku kind of lined up on, on the left-hand side where Sterling has been playing, Jackson up front, and then maybe either Palmer or Gallagher as the number 10, and then either, you know, Palmer or Madweke on the right-hand side. Or maybe Chukwamaker could come in as the number 10 and Palmer play on the right. I think obviously Palmer's going to play, isn't he? Because he's been Chelsea's best player. So it's kind of, you know, dependent on on Madweke and, and Gallagher. It'll be, it'll be an interesting game though, because I think Wolves very, you know, under Gary O'Neill, we saw kind of under at Bournemouth last year, you know, his style of play is, can be very pragmatic. You know, it's it's hit you on the break with Mateus Cunha and Pedro Neto and, you know, Huang Hee Chan's currently at the Asian Cup. But, you know, I think I saw in their last Premier League game or one of their recent Premier League games against Brighton, they drew nil-nil, but their possession was in the 20s. So I would expect a not dissimilar kind of start approach from them against Chelsea, particularly because it's at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, they hadn't been great away from home of late Wolves. They had lost four in a row, but unbeaten in their last two, a win at Brentford and that goalless draw at Brighton Luke mentioned. Now, somebody we haven't spoken about, Liam, we might feature in this game is Cesare Cassidy. As you pointed out on Twitter, now known as X, uh, he can't go out on loan now that he's played for Chelsea again. So he is going to be around for the rest of the season and, and gives Pochettino another option. Yeah, you can't play in official matches for more than two clubs in a season unless... It's a league with a different calendar, so they might be able to loan him to MLS or something, but um, I I don't think that's on the cards. Pochettino made a big point when Chelsea recalled him of saying that he had a role to play, uh, which was a bit surprising, but maybe a reflection, maybe a slightly ominous reflection of the injury status of Romeo Lavia and Leslie Ogachukwu, among other things. But I think we saw good things from Castellan in pre-season. We also saw that he's pretty raw. I think he's certainly not suited to a deeper lying midfield role. He, he, you know, playing out from his own third under pressure. It didn't go well in the US. I, I really don't think it would go well in Premier League games. But in a more advanced midfield role with the opportunity to break into the box, he can be useful. And I don't necessarily see that happening from the start because Chelsea still have Gallagher. They now have Chukwemeka back. And Kunku can be a 10, Palmer can be a 10. So that that area of the pitch is starting to look quite crowded. But maybe as a situational impact sub, someone to crash the box from crosses who can score headers, very, very adept in the air. Maybe he can be useful for Chelsea in that respect. And we haven't seen too many by way of impact substitutes for Chelsea this year. Whether that's a more beneficial role for his development than the one he had at Leicester is another question because he was getting minutes for Leicester, even if he wasn't in their strongest 11. So yeah, we'll have to see between now and the end of the season. I think he has a role to play, but unless Chelsea get more injuries in the attacking midfield areas, I'm not sure it's a huge one. Yeah, he started eight league games for Leicester, came off the bench 14 times. We'll see if he features on Sunday. Uh, Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the women's team signed off in style from their group stage campaign in the Champions League with a 4-0 win in France against Paris FC on Tuesday. Emma Hayes made nine changes from the Brighton game last weekend and she saw her team score with all four shots on target. Imagine that. Darwin Nunez can only dream of that kind of efficiency. Uh, Super Frank Kirby's the head girl at the moment. She nodded in her second header in as many games, put the Blues 1-0 up 10 minutes in. Mia Fischel also used her head to make it 2-0 by half-time. Guru Wrighton pounced on a mix-up in the Paris defence to make it three before Marin Mielder grabbed the fourth. Uh, the scoreline was flattering on Chelsea, Luke, but we ought to give them some love for finishing top of the group with basically no drama. And bear in mind that Manchester United and Arsenal didn't even make it through 
to the group stages of the Champions League. So this is an impressive achievement. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Chelsea women flying the flag for England and the WSL in in the Champions League this year and it's quite a tough group, I think, you know, not to be, you know, I think this is the thing if if you're more of a follower of, of men's football, I think, you know, teams like Paris FC and Hacken aren't really household names, but you know, they're they're very strong in terms of women's football and, you know, it says a lot that you know, Real Madrid who have, I think, you know, one of the best players in the world at the moment, Linda Caicedo didn't manage to win a game in that group. I think they only got one point in the end, which was in their first game. I think they might have lost. I think they lost five on the bounce. So it's, it's definitely a, a really good achievement. But we we won't be seeing stuff like that next year in the Women's Champions League because they are, of course, changing the format. I think maybe not next year, but the year after. So we will see more English teams in the group stage, which I think is better because the WSL is one of the strongest leagues in the world. Also, Liam, what Chelsea have done by winning the group has got themselves a seeded place in the quarterfinal draw. It's Tuesday of next week, so it means that they avoid Barcelona, Lyon, PSG in that. And that is brilliant news, really, isn't it? You can't put it any other way. You don't want to be playing Lyon yet. Barcelona knocked Chelsea out in the semis last season, so they should get a reasonable draw for the last day. Yeah, it's huge. You want to give yourself the most favourable path. You know you have to play these teams at some point, but if you can let them knock each other out... <laughs> Before one of them gets to you, it's always beneficial. Look, Chelsea are already looking at an uphill challenge to make this the year that they get that Champions League with Sam Kerr's injury and the other things they're dealing with. But, you know, you've just brought in Myra Ramirez. You've made some tweaks to this group. You may get players back as well in the back half of this season, although not Kerr. So, what you maybe do with this seeding is you buy yourself time to make that group as good as it can be before the really defining European tests come. And it also means that maybe you don't have to exert yourself to the max in Europe before the final couple of months of the season, which allows you to focus on WSL. Uh, and, and we know Chelsea have, have their hands full holding off the chasing pack domestically as well. Yeah, they are taking on Everton at Kings Meadow in the league on Sunday evening. Jessie Fleming won't be playing in that game. She's completed her move to Portland Thorns. I asked our Jessie, Jessie Parker Humphreys, about that and they confirmed that £250,000 is a very good deal for Chelsea for a squad player. So well done there. Uh, the men's under-21s play Leeds in the Premier League Cup on Friday night. Chelsea have already won that group. So there'll be plenty of rotation there, one would think, in the under-18s host Leicester at Cobham on Saturday. All right, we'll do a quiz next. Now then, I got a question wrong last week. I wonder if maybe the quiz is running out of a bit of steam. So, Liam, this might be one of your last chances to claim a rare victory, um, not to add any pressure on to you. Let's hope I've got the questions right this week because nobody came out with much credit from last week's feeble effort. Uh, they're all sort of Chelsea Wolves related. You're up first, Liam. Diego Costa did his farewell lap to Chelsea fans in this game last season and we all enjoyed it tremendously apart from the Wolves fans. How many goals did he score in his 25 appearances for Wolves? Oh, not many. Um, I'm going to say two. Luke, do you want to steal it? I could steal it. Is it? Is it one? <laughs> it is one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Liam. I'm the Darwin Nunes of this quiz. <laughs> Just uh, cheer yourself up with that image of Diego Costa looking like Ron Burgundy and Anchorman when he's drinking the milk when he was doing his um, lap of honour. They were great scenes. Uh, Luke, you can go 2-0 up here. Who put Wolves 2-0 up in the reverse fixture at Molyneux on Christmas Eve? Um, I... Oh, it was... Um... It was a very late goal, wasn't it? Mm. I think. I think. Was it? I, th I feel like it was. Was it Doherty? He's good, isn't he? This boy. It's two 0 Incredible. Matt Doherty was the right answer. Uh, Liam, you need to get this. Armando Breuer scored in the three 0 home win against Wolves last season. Name the two other teams he's scored against since. Fulham. 
and the other one is not a team he's that are interested in taking him on loan. <laughs> um, they might be, but you wonder if they'd be able to um, attract the player. Be Crystal Palace. Luke, are you going to pile on further humiliation here? Uh, your sort of clue, Matt, has thrown me. Did he score against Preston? You did score against Preston, yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you a half of that at least. <laughs> um, Luke, here is your second question. Which striker scored four goals for Chelsea against Wolves in the 2003-04 season, including a hat-trick at the bridge in a 5-2 Chelsea win? Uh, I've got no idea. I'm going to go... <laughs> Um, Ida Johnson. Well, it's not a bad guess, but it's not right. Liam, are you going to tap it in? I wasn't listening because I don't think I've even had a chance to steal a question in three <laughs> months. <laughs> All right. Which striker scored four goals for Chelsea against Wolves in the 03 04 season, including a hat trick at the bridge in a 5 2 Chelsea win? It was not Ida Johnson. 03 04. It's got to be the other one, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. It surely was. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. That means it's two and a half plays one and a half as we go into Liam's final question, which is name any of the goal scorers in Wolves 2-2 draw at Stamford Bridge in May 2022. So either any of the Chelsea goal scorers or the Wolves goal scorers. Just need one of them. Uh, I believe Romelu Lukaku scored. You are absolutely correct. He got a break. So I'm surprised he didn't go for Trincao or Connor Cody, um, but I'm sure he had them in the back. I pocket. do actually remember that Trincao goal, the Connor <laughs> Cody one, less so. I remember Connor Cody like really giving it the big un in front of the Wolves travelling fans after. I think he like poked it home like quite late on in that game. All right, so I have got the score now at two and a half, two and a half. So actually. Lucy hasn't written the title. Oh, yes, she has. She's doing it right now. Uh, Luke, if you don't get this, and Liam doesn't either, we will need a tiebreaker. I worry that we've had this question before in a Chelsea Wolves quiz, um, but certainly, Luke, <laughs> you haven't had it. Whose first and only Chelsea goal came in a 6-0 win against Wolves in the League Cup in 2012? First and only. That's <laughs> This feels a lot less kind than the last question Liam got. That's to be said. Um, the quiz is seeded at this point in the season, by the way. Right, okay. It. That makes sense. That <laughs> makes more sense. I'm just trying to think of like who only scored one Chelsea goal. I think this was Azpilicueta's debut, this game. I'm sure we've had that question before. Right. I'm pretty sure he scored more than one goal for Chelsea, mm. so... <laughs> I don't think it's him. Um, well, that's an own, I mean, I, I know I'm taking my time here. I'm just trying to think like who who was A around that time and who B like would have only scored one goal. One, just, just one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Liam's really musing on it too. I can see it's, um, it's a question that's got them thinking. I don't know. I'll go for someone like Victor Moses. Victor Moses is incorrect. For the win, Liam Toomey. Europa League hero Victor Moses. He got about seven in that competition alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is really speculative, but um, Kevin De Bruyne. It's incorrect, I'm afraid. So we will go to the tiebreaker. The answer we were looking for was Oriel Romeu. Right. Classic. Yeah, like we could have been here for a long time. The Busquets successor at Barca. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, tiebreak time. It's exciting, isn't it? How many Premier League appearances did Wolves manager Gary O'Neill make? Um, should we say that we need you to send me a WhatsApp, please, with this so we don't get the old over-under conundrum? It'll be interesting to see who wins because Luke is very much the form horse, but Liam snuck up on the rails so far in today's quiz. 
lovely and stinking face. It's really a mixture of furrowed brows and slightly closed eyes. Just absolutely classic stuff. Can't see anybody typing as I open up my WhatsApp. Oh, okay. Got Liam's answer. Oof, there's a huge disparity between the two answers. I can tell you that much, listeners. So the question again for the right to victory in this week's quiz. How many Premier League appearances did Wolves manager Gary O'Neill make? You'll know that I once did a commentary with him. Very nice fella he was too. Liam says 85. Luke says 160. Listen, you got it right, didn't you? The answer was 214. Wow. So it's Luke Bosher <laughs> who takes the win. I mean, you take the win, Luke, but you're quite a long way off there. Not as far as Liam, admittedly, but there's been a disrespect being paid to the legacy of Gary O'Neill, I feel, from both of you. A win's a win. <laughs> this is true. Did he have another Premier League chapter other than Portsmouth? Several. Middlesbrough, West Ham, Norwich. Right. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember those chapters, clearly. <laughs> well, maybe there's a long read in it at some point, but not quite now, I don't think. Liam, what are you working on for Athletic subscribers to enjoy? Um, How to become a serial quiz loser. <laughs> no, um, there's a couple of longer-term things that I'm not really in position to talk about too much, but otherwise getting ready to cover Chelsea this weekend. And all the joys that that will bring on Sunday. Uh, well, Simon's got a piece up on the Liverpool game. Chelsea are a soft touch away from home and fans are right to be angry. Elsewhere on the Athletic, Luke, it's all about deadline day, right? And tomorrow, the uh, the reaction there too, I guess. Yeah, the uh, the fallout will come tomorrow from... You know, all these all these huge transfers that are cooking uh, in deadline day, all, all the money going around, it's, it's insane. Uh, no, PSR has very much kiboshed uh, uh, hopes of a January splurge from any club. But yeah, I'll be working on the Athletics deadline day coverage today and tomorrow. Lucy, if you could just clip up uh, what Luke's just said there and send it to somebody at Nottingham Forest, I would certainly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up. If you aren't currently a subscriber, you can follow us on social media at SO Cobham pod. If you'd like to leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, that would be appreciated too. That'll do us for today though. Thanks to Luke, to Liam, to Lucy and to you for joining us as well. Back with you on Monday, running down the big restorative win against Wolves and more. Until then, have a great weekend. Bye for now. The Athletic.